0: Welcome to Food and Loathing,
1: where I got to
2: admit, I'm slightly disappointed I won't be dining on Kraken this week, (laughs) (laughs) but we are ready to barbecue some Texans.
0: Correct.
2: I'm your host, Al Mancini. I am joined and supported by my co-host, a woman who actually dined on Kraken Pizza just a week or so ago. True story. <laughs> <laughs> Off the strip.com food writer Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello, Gemini.
0: How Hi. The hell are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, been a it's been a busy day, kind of all around town. I've been to Henderson, to Midtown, to downtown, and Let's do it.
2: Love this fucking town. You can hit every corner of it and like, and then you complain about traffic because it took you like, what, 40 minutes to go to the two farthest spots in the entire valley. Yeah.
0: Those of us from bigger cities look at Vegas (laughs) traffic and go, what the fuck? Yeah, we're (laughs) fine.
2: (laughs) And to get on with my introductions, for those of you who only tune in because you like to hear about my Johnson,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: allow me to introduce uh, engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Rich Johnson.
3: Oh, golly, golly, golly. <laughs> I think you're no, blushing there's, over there. There's,
2: there's no <laughs> comeback from that. Move on. Let's move on. Uh, we do have a great show for you today. Brian Howard will be joining me later in the show to discuss his recent world travel travels and how they may influence his cuisine at um, Sparrow and Wolf and maybe even Half Bird. We'll see what I he says. I think so, yeah. Uh, but first, for those of you who just can't visit every single amazing restaurant in Las Vegas and you need help figuring out what they're all about. Have no fear. We got you covered because Gemini, Gemini and I eat <laughs> out for yeah, a yeah, living. Yeah, yeah. And Rich is addicted to the types of restaurants that we often overlook. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> nice. Or you studious, studiously avoid, I think yeah. be more accurate Could be in that. A phrase. <laughs> Look right over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drive, yeah. By uh, drive by quickly. Drive by as if it were a drive by. <laughs> um, so, anyway, because of that, we um, have what it takes to start every show with a rundown of where we've been dining so you can decide whether you want to add them to your culinary to-do list. Rich, you are our man of the people. So
3: would you like to get the people started? I think uh, the the people don't deserve me anymore. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and sort of reverse order from what I uh, He he would
2: be a man of the people. He just hates the fucking people. Right. (laughs) It's two people. I'm like that, too. I'd be a
3: populist, too, if I liked people. It was a great British series. Did you ever see the thick of it? It was a, about a, a fictional minister in the British government and a, a mockumentary kind of thing. And there's yeah. one thing where he's caught on mic saying, you know, I just, I'm a man of the people, but yeah, I just hate the people. And they're so fucking fat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we're here to help the people get fatter. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That's, uh, so on the way over here, I decided I needed to uh, re-up my fast food chicken game. Two places around town called U.S. Fried Chicken.
0: Okay. It's on West
3: Charleston, about two blocks from the churches. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've
0: driven by there. They part keep of, our- painting it.
3: Part <laughs> of a complex that also includes a shawarma shop and a halal market. I uh, think It's called Amalfi. It looks like that, but, you know, uh, there's no Amalfi. It's not Greek. It's right. it's Arab. And uh, it was really sad. Yeah. the One poor guy in there with a hairnet on his beard. And he had one little pile of chicken. Everything was shut down at one in the afternoon, and there was this one little pile of chicken in the corner of the warmer, and I said, okay, give me a breast and a leg. He said, oh, i got no breast. I've just got legs and thighs. I said, okay. You
0: still ate there? I did. And you're alive.
3: For now. <laughs> How was it? It oh, was okay. I yeah. mean, it had a little bit of flavor that just made it itself, and it was fine, but... Yeah, it was and it wasn't dry, which it should have been after okay. sitting there like that. But and the guy was congenial, he threw in an extra wing piece and uh oh, no. Man, you know no, no, that's just the problem. No. People just say no. like
2: you need to report on more hole in the wall joints or you know, you need why you oh. always go to the big spots. It's like I've done the just drive around, look for restaurants, discover them, write yeah. articles about yeah. them. like this whole hope that you're gonna discover the next big thing. And you know, Jim Bagley, one of the local writers fantastic at that. Yeah. He can mm.
0: finding, and here's the thing, I still enjoy it on occasion. But, but finding a good hole in it's the wall
2: is a very yeah. labor-intensive fucking effort. There are right. holes it's in the numbers wall game. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to eat <laughs> at them, right? Like, It's not that you yeah. just poke your head in and decide yeah. if they're any good. You have yeah. to eat at all of them. And you eat at a lot of bad restaurants uh-huh. when you're looking to for a good that hole one. in the wall yeah. to recommend. Yeah. So that's why I have mad respect for, for you, Rich, for trying this out, for people like Jim Bagley who do that, because... Um, you know, I would like at least an inkling that the food may be edible before I yeah. enter a place. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of places to eat, man. I don't, don't have time to eat at every fucking tiny little hole <laughs> <Plus, hall. laughs>
3: Friday night, I went to the movies at the Beverly, brand new movie oh, theater. Yeah. It's next to uh, the... Uh, Writer's Block? Yep. I thought oh, I about went, going there, actually. I went into Writer's Block to kill time, and there was a signed first edition of Tom Hanks' novel, which is all about the movie business and the nuts and bolts of making a movie, but it is a novel. I thought, oh, Tom Hanks signed it? I'm taking it. I bought that. <laughs> cool. The theater is is one—there there are a couple of other venues in that place, but the movie theater is a, like a good mall, state-of-the-art one, very steep pitch, mm-hmm. a good-sized screen— They did not, to their credit, throw three obligatory rows in the front on the on the lower level where you look straight up. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's just a chiropractor when you're done. Yeah, yeah, it props to them for. (laughs) not doing that. What'd
2: you go see because I've been looking at the programming there. There've been some great movies that I that I've loved that I've seen, you know, a handful of times, but I would rather go yeah. back there to see them. Yeah, I want to check it out. Streaming. I saw
3: it first when I was about 8 years old on TV, a year and a half after it came out in black and white on my old family black and white TV. I've seen it many times here and there on Turner Classic and all that. I have the DVD. I have it downloaded in my iPad. The only movie the in my iPad. Interest. I know. I, know I am. I am.
2: I'm waiting. Now, this, if is this is, is Ernest <laughs> Goes to Camp. I'm going to be really <laughs> my
3: f- first time seeing it on a big screen. Uh huh. 1960. Ocean's Eleven. <gasps> ah,
0: oh my movie. God. That would yeah, be so baby. much fun in a the theater. It
3: was because you know I've seen it so many times on the iPad and the screen. Yeah. But on the big screen. And he's, you know, when they're walking through the sands and the oh. Desert in and the Flamingo. Oh, my God. And you can see so much more. I could see, you know, I knew, you know, every scene in the movie, yeah. every shot. But I saw stuff I'd never seen before because it was on a big screen. That's
2: very cool. I think when I was thinking of going there a couple of weeks ago, they were showing Lost Highway. By, oh uh, wow! Uh, yeah, which I just I love that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it seems like they have good things in yeah. there. So I'm gonna. So how was the popcorn? The popcorn, the, was the, <laughs> the popcorn was um, good. The uh, the popcorn.
3: Here's the pros and cons of this thing. The popcorn they make in a special popcorn room in a door to the lower right of the screen. There's a secret door there. When you buy the popcorn at the concession stand where you can buy pop and candy and beer and wine, uh, they give you a token, uh, a chip, and you take that down to the lady in the little cart, and it's just one size fits all. It's like popcorn for two or one fat fuck like me. (laughs) And you give her the chip, and she gives you the bag of popcorn, or the the tub of popcorn, which is kind of buttered and kind of salted, but not badly. I usually never get butter on my popcorn oh, that or the motor butter. oil that passed for butter. <laughs> that, you for remember that fucking industrial stuff? <laughs> that plasticine-related. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one downside is uh, when I bought my uh, Fanta Orange, which is the absolute perfect thing to have, With popcorn in a movie theater, because that's what I grew up with. I love some Fanta Orange. They just had the bottle, no cup, no ice. And that's the beauty of the... Remember the big bubble things they had at the movie theaters where the Mm. orange is bubbling left and right? uh, No. And then it put it in... Well, (laughs) that was non-carb. Anyway, I I I needed ice and a cup to get that Fanta cold and I just had the bottle. Yeah. Which was weird. Okay. Before I went there, I stopped by for a snack at Carson Kitchen, the black rice and oxtail risotto. Oh, one a, of my
0: favorites. Had about
3: half, first time I'd had it, first time, got about the third to a half of it and then popped it up and uh, took it home and had it the next day. So that was a uh, wonderful. And at home, I did ribs. And we have st- finally gotten the rib recipe right because it wasn't me doing the ribs. It was Joanna doing the ribs, and she's a former pastry chef. So instead of being like a chef-chef and ah, a little of this, a little of that, do that, no, it's one <laughs> teaspoon of this, one half teaspoon of that, two teaspoons of that. It was chemistry and exactly following the brine for an hour, the sitting for an hour, the rubbing for an hour, the on the grill for a couple of hours at 250, flip them around, do it again for another hour and a half, then then wrap them up in aluminum foil for another two hours. Then let them sit tented for another hour after I that.
2: so-called the rib joint.
3: Right. <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful. It would fall on You could see the meat <laughs> retracting from the uh, bones sticking yeah. out. And it was uh, wonderful. Cool. Well, that That's does it. sound That's good. Awesome. You should bring some over to my house, man. <laughs> we made uh, two huge ribs, so much of it went in the freezer. We pulled all the meat off the ribs and made three little containers for two. They Fred Flintstone ribs, like the big beef? No, beef. they were just the baby back, but a little, little large baby back. From a big pig. Yeah.
2: <laughs> How about you, Gemini? Where have you been? Have you visited uh, any restaurants in the past I week that have. Mary mentioned?
0: I have. Oh, I uh, have. Please turn your phone off. You are an right important in, person yeah. today.
2: Session.
4: But that seat in the uh, upright
2: position, baby. That's right. I don't know who that is, but I'm not talking to them. <laughs> University of North Something.
0: Oh not, gosh. Oh no. Anyway, Gemini, oh, where are you needing? <laughs> well, I almost started out saying I've only got one to report on this week, but then I went to lunch today. So um, I Sunday, so you know, my mom has passed on and and uh, I've got lots of friends who are moms and things like that. I didn't make any real big plans, but I have a friend in town we call Mama Judy. And Mama Judy is the friend of a girlfriend I met when I was a tween. And her name is Christina. Christina could not come out and spend Mother's Day with her mom this year. We've always done it as a group. So John and I took her out. And Mama Judy is not a fan of the big overdone brunches and the bottomless whatever. She doesn't really drink. Um, Half the stuff on these really great menus that everybody was putting out last week, she has no idea what it is. And she would get kind of picky and won't enjoy it. So we did something a little bit different. We just went to lunch, but we went to Spaghetti Western, Spaghetti Western, where west. I have not been in far too long, and I had to admit that to David it's Cooper. A staple for the
2: Southern Highlands. <laughs> Absolutely, crowd, I love Spaghetti Western.
0: And yeah, so Southern Highlands uh, in the shopping center on the corner of Southern Highlands Boulevard and Cactus Avenue, west of the 15. If you're if you're taking the 15 down to Cactus, um, so yeah, like I said, she's not a big fan of the fancy stuff. We wanted to keep it super simple. So we went in there. We made a reservation just in case. Uh, I knew it was early in the day. I'm really glad we did because that place got packed. Um, But all the things that you expect, they have a large, large menu, soups, salads, appetizers, all Italian food, a couple of different uh, types of Italian food because it's not all the same, believe it or not. Um, And the portions are massive. So, Mama took home extra spaghetti and meatballs. As she said, the place is called spaghetti, so she had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I ordered the veal milanese, and not the one on the menu, but they had a special. It was the, like, double-cut, bone-in, butterflied, perfectly-done, Buttery without being like soaked in it. Everything was still crispy where it had to be crispy. Lemony without puckering your face. Um, Beautiful rocket or or rather arugula salad with um, blistered tomatoes on top. And John had this impossibly beautifully layered lasagna, tender, full of flavor and filling without bursting or overpowering the pasta. And that pasta was fantastic. It had just enough chew while still being fork tender and supportive to the rest of the dish. All in all, it was a fantastic meal, great service, um, specialty app, two salads, three entrees, two beers, two cocktails, and a light mimosa for mama, $200 out the door before tax and tip, totally worth every bite we had and everything we took home. Um, what'd
2: you, okay, first, what did you think of the cocktails? Because you mentioned his name in did, yep, They have yep, an Coop. OG Vegas bartender over there, David Cooper, Yes. who, man, I mean, like he was Parking cars for the mob when he was fourteen <laughs> years old, I think. And I, he's got stories about evil Knievel doing ah. coke on the bar at Caesar, I don't, right? know. and not he would that. tell Something some of the like stories. That, like know? during
0: COVID, he would make cocktails out of his house and you know do it all on on YouTube or you know live yeah. stream or whatever. And he would tell some stories. And he
2: has worked in the finest restaurants in Las yes. Vegas. The barmen He was over at. Um, uh, when Nicole Brisson was with Mario Batali yep. at Carnivino, he was over there. Uh, he was at Vetri for a while, but he's now involved. He built the bar yep. at Spaghetti Western, and he's over there all the time, and that is his main thing. And but he, you know, he knows good shit. Yeah. So how were his cocktails?
0: They were really good. So if I can remember the names, because I should have written them down or brought my receipt, um, one of them was um, it was something Coops. So it was a drink absolutely named after him. I had to have that, of course, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really well-balanced um, spirit forward, which I like. Um, I talked to the guy uh, handling our table and told him kind of what I was up to and what I, how I feel when I sit down for a cocktail or something like that, and he helped me pick it, and it was the perfect choice. Um, and the flavors went really well. So, you know, we had this sort of rich and bright appetizer at the same time, one of those meaty somethings with lemons and, and you know, all of that. Um, it went with all of the dishes. At the end, I wanted something a little more refreshing. Mama did get a dessert. It was this beautiful sorbet stuffed in the actual lemon, which she just thought was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And so I got a um, a mule, Sherry's mule, I think it's called, um, and to go with that and, and taste that. And yeah, really, really great cocktail program over there. I didn't taste the mimosa, um, mostly because she wanted juice with a touch of champagne versus the way the rest of us do it. Um, so I can't can't claim anything on that one. But um, yeah, and the cocktail list is just amazing. They, they move things around. They change things up. It's super, super delicious. So definitely go down there. And like I said, we got a lot of food for three people. $200 for tax and tip on a Mother's Day i'm not mad at that at all i think
2: in the past i've gone there to watch some playoff games too yeah it's a good play good neighborhood yeah gym. i like the setup they've got
0: in. lots of like bar areas like there's not just one so there's you can sit by yourself you can sit with a group there's booths there's tables there's a little bit of something for everybody so well, definitely sp-
2: and, and the thing is spaghetti western man it is just a bit ba- it, they make the italian american classics that everybody mm-hmm. knows um you look at the menu you're like ah, oh, this is like what yep. i see everywhere but the truth is they've got very wealthy clientele over there because they they're in southern Highlands. yep they they serve people who know quality and so they've got to make things that are good they've got they can't skimp on you know ingredients anybody and who can like do
0: a veal milanese the way they did this one has my has my endorsement if that means anything to anybody because they dry out so easily and this did not it was cut beautifully it was cooked beautifully um yeah i i would go back absolutely cool
2: so my turn
0: yeah okay yeah.
2: let's see uh let's start off with one of the most hyped openings so far this year the one-year pop-up known as Retro by Voltaggio. As you've got to know by this point, they've taken over the Mandalay Bay space that was once home to Ariol. The Wine Tower, where wine angels once floated yes. and hovered as they retrieved super <laughs> pricey uh, bottles yeah, of yeah, wine, yeah. has been converted into a display case for blasts from the past. Specifically, items associated with the 80s and 90s, like VHS tapes, classic video games, old-school skateboards, and whatnot. Um, you'll also find a table packed with old children's toys from a light bright to a Rubik's cube to wonderful (laughs) waterfalls if anybody remembers those fucking (laughs) things and there's a wall where the art is all based on classic album covers from that era Um, similarly the menu is also a throwback to the 80s and 90s specifically the dishes that Brian and Michael Voltaggio grew up on at home during their childhood and then during their early culinary career all upgraded to please serious foodies so, yes, there is that Wagyu pot roast with, <laughs> um, with the onions and the carrots served in a Corning dish. And then there's the green bean casserole, which I think also comes in a <laughs> Corning <bowl laughs> a dish. Everything comes with sporks. Yes. Um, you got shells and cheese, even a take on SpaghettiOs spooned out of a can oh onto the God. plate that already has a meatball sitting there. <laughs> um, so, OK, look, let's cut to the chase. It is so fucking easy to roll your eyes at this concept and mourn the loss of an elegant dining venue to a piece of Gen X nostalgia. And the truth is, I'm honestly not a fan of fucking nostalgia, especially the 80s, which yeah. I hated my here, high school here. years. And I, I liked undergrad, but I didn't pay attention to what was in pop culture in the 80s. And the 90s, man, I experienced it on the Lower East Side of New York, so I really have a very different memories than most people do when they do 90s nostalgia. Yeah. So I am not their target audience. Um, but look, I have no doubt that this place will be a lot of fun for the many people I know who have fond memories of the pop culture of those decades. And moreover, man, I have no problem with changing times. Restaurants are not museums. Las Vegas is about reinvention. Hey,
0: fucking man.
2: Out with the old, no matter how good it once was, and in with the new. No problem. That's why I live in Las Vegas. Yeah.
0: You know, I just, I have to tell you, I love that you just said that. Restaurants aren't museums, right? they get dusty oh. and dirty, and it's the same damn thing. And I'm so glad you said it that well, way. Thank so you.
3: So I should uh, and leave My asymmetrical purple and teal ski jacket in the uh, in the closet. <laughs> oh no, you're no, bringing one that, from with from that to retro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and God. whatever yeah. hair
0: you have, we're gonna go flock of seagulls and we're gonna go have some fun. Oh with no, us. no. <laughs> so um, now,
2: honestly, so the question becomes for me: How good is the food, right? And that should be the question Absolutely. everywhere, right? And the answer is: It's very good. Yes, some dishes are a little gimmicky, like the escargots in General Taw sauce. General Taw snails, uh, which is served with scallion dashi rice. A little gimmicky, but so fucking what? It still sounds good. I hope it gets a few people to try escargot for the first time. You know, maybe they have it in a familiar setting. Maybe they'll have it more yeah. elsewhere. Um, Las Vegas has always been a workshop for fine dining chefs who want to elevate comfort food. The snobs always bitch and moan (laughs) about the decline of Western civilization. They believe this foretells (laughs) they attacked Kerry Simon when he exited prime uh, prime over at Bellagio to make a meatloaf at the hard rock. They mocked you bear Keller when he opened burger bar. And I'm sure those same people are talking shit about this concept. Fuck them. This place isn't for them. It's for exactly the people who think it sounds like fun. I love it. And they deliver on the fun. They also deliver on the food. I sampled 15 dishes, including many desserts. (laughs) They were all smart reinterpretations that were executed incredibly well. Look, I admit I gravitated towards the dishes that were less nostalgic and more fine dining. The chicken pot pie croquettes, the bluefin ceviche with ponzu on coconut crushed ice with nori paper. Those were for me. That's the beauty of this place. There are plenty of dishes for the un-nostalgic <laughs> crowd or oh, the unfun crowd you. who just want great food. <laughs> and then there are plenty of super fun dishes. They're all done well because the truth is these guys can fucking cook and you know that. I love it. While I was there, so you heard what I think, but I spoke to the Voltagios too. So here you can um, hear what they say about the place.
1: I mean, for me, it was like taking all the food of our childhood mixed with our combined of 50 years of culinary experience and bringing together something that evokes our own memories and hopefully evokes memories of other people. So it's nostalgic, sort of old tip of the tongue dishes that we've seen on menus time and time again, but not seen quite like this.
5: Anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I mean, the cool thing is, is that there's so much to be able to look back on between the 80s and the 90s. Again, like Michael said, you know, food that hit our dinner table, but also... Really, at the beginning of the careers, of our careers, which is, you know, right at the the latter part of the 90s, that's when we started even cooking some of these dishes, you know. So to be able to look back on it, it's just been an incredible experience and opportunity.
2: How did this come about? What was the conversation that you guys had, or was it over years that you were planning this out, or was it one late night drinking, you came up with this idea and pitched it to MGM?
1: I think it's an idea that's always been in the back of our head, and I think we've always had dishes like this on our menus in our other restaurants, so it was like, why don't we turn this into a concept? And then when we talked to MGM about it, they're like, let's turn this into a concept. What do you guys need? And then, so the gas was put behind it, and it was more or less like, what else can we think of to make the space fit, to make the music fit, to make the food fit, to make the staff what the uniforms, how we fold the napkins, the colors of the napkins, like everyone from this property, from this company and from the two of us got behind it, including Keith, the artist who did the art on the walls. It's like everyone that understood and got the concept, brought something to the table and brought it to life with us. And what was the collaborative process in the kitchen when you were putting uh, these dishes together?
5: Yeah, I mean, we definitely came with, you know, a huge repertoire, a listing of the dishes and dishes we wanted to go after from the, in those decades. But then as we got in here, got working in the space and really got comfortable with, you know, what would be retro and working with the team, there's edits along the way for sure. We had countless hours of time put into this menu, um, meaning telling you we walked in the door at 830 in the morning and sometime we walked out at 230 in, in, in the morning. <laughs> and so um, here when we're putting this together in the first few weeks, I mean, it was literally one time I said it once that it was the first time I went to work and went to bed in the same day, right? Yeah. It, right? It, was, it was pretty incredible. So, I mean, you know, Michael and I, the cool thing about collaborating is is that, you know, every dish we put in front of each other, you know, we're, we're our best editors, you know? So we're able to be you know, speak honest truth about, you know, what the dish is, push each other in another direction, and really make it the best it can be.
2: I also made a quick visit to a regular spot, Blue Ribbon Sushi at Red Rock, which was oh. great as oh, it yeah. always. has been. Um, I then grabbed falafel at Miz- Miznan, by Ial Shani in the Palazzo. So this is actually the space that was in, um, you know, David Chang had the two restaurants. He had the really big restaurant and then he had the little hamburger stand, right? So this is in the hamburger stand place. The same chef who has Miznone is gonna put a a more formal restaurant in the other David Chang space as well. But for now, this is quick casual counter service, um, you know, sit at the the long bar and then a second bar behind it, right? And the crowd walks by you on their way into the casino. Um, Man, I'll tell you, I had a falafel. And it it was fucking good. Now, I said this on social media. I've never been to the Middle East. I can't tell you what's authentic. Sure. But I did live a block off of um, Atlantic (laughs) Avenue in Brooklyn, which has an (laughs) incredibly large Arab population. Right. Right. And I ate a lot of falafel there. And this was Brooklyn legit. Okay. absolutely man it was really fucking good um it was a little weird they, they make it into a burger patty yeah. shape inside the pita instead of the little meatball shapes inside the pita just a little you know do you twist. think it
0: changed it for you
2: no not at okay. all it was good actually it made it more you get a bit of, of falafel in every bite yeah. right kind of deal so i dug it um the hot sauce that they use the bright green hot sauce really fucking good um the pickles that they have really mm. good i mean it's just yeah it's it's very, very good. I haven't had a lot of good falafel recently. So no, that's what i So I was asking. super excited to okay. have that. Um, also visited Vegas Test Kitchen yes. over the weekend. Had a vegan pizza from down to earth. I had an Arepa flight from Arepa Head. So good. And a burger by Stay Tuned Burgers, which now I've got to say is my favorite hamburger in Las Vegas. <laughs> you
0: can't miss. It is it's everything
2: so that I remember being good about fast food burgers, Mm -hmm. but none of the shit that makes me not eat fast food burgers anymore, right? So, I mean, it's really, it's just an elevation, again, elevating the simple things. It's a great smash burger. They do it really well. Um, And
3: more on them, actually, in the news. But I think that's about it for where I've dined this week. And when the news is happening, by then you will have heard what's up next. and That would be Al and the lovely and talented Brian Howard back on Spring Mountain after touring the world. This is Food and Loving. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing, or reach out directly, info at foodandloathing.vegas.
0: And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out anytime at wishboneandvine.com.
3: One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas.
0: And my site, wishboneandvine.com.
2: So I'm here at Sparrow and Wolf with Chef Brian Howard, and Brian, you are just back from a little bit of traveling. I cannot wait to hear the stories, but first, how does it feel to be home? Oh, it feels really good. I'm ready to take my next trip. (laughs) Cool. Um, So to to bring people up to speed, where did you go and how long were you out of the country?
4: Sure. I had the pleasure to get um, brought out to New Zealand by uh, Lumina Lamb. I won a trip a few years ago for a competition that they did using their product. And in my kind of opinion, it's probably one of the top three lambs in the world. Uh, Really special product. So they brought us out to the farm. Uh, Well, 11 farms to be exact. Uh, But myself and about 30 chefs from around the world. uh, Everywhere from Taipei to Alaska. Um, Chef Justin Kingsley Hall was along for the ride as well. And some locals like uh, Travis Swickard from San Diego. Um, we had the opportunity to go out and kind of see the whole operation, uh, from birth in the field to final product to the plate, um, starting at one end of the North Island all the way down to the other end, waking up about 5 a.m. every day and traveling for a couple hours, working on farms, seeing the process, meeting the farmers, meeting the, uh, the caretakers, uh, and really kind of exploring that product for what it is and, um, we've got a couple new dishes that will be coming out during the summertime using that product as well but yeah really really exciting trip one to get um, a lot of chefs together from all over to kind of pick their brain and see if they're going through the same things you guys are going through in the states and you know we all kind of came to the same conclusion that we're all in the boat together uh, in terms of the way the world right now Um, and then uh, also um, you know seeing how much someone actually cares for a product. I've been using that product for about four years now and then to actually see it on the other end uh, to see that their mindset is much more about the land and the animal first than the consumer and they believe if they put into the land the land will give back to them and and vice versa which I thought was a great take Uh, especially coming from the American farming industry we see a lot of difference uh, in the way we do our things Uh, there's very much more about regenerative and long lasting uh so super fun we we did everything from cooking in people's houses to eating other chefs homes to uh dining uh very well locally and then um you know experience a little bit of the uh adventure side of new zealand as well which is you know they're kind of the adventure capital of the world they claim you know so we did some uh um zip lining from way huge mountains and did uh luges down the side of mountains and you know fast racing boats and all that stuff and canals and stuff so it's cool it sounds like a lot of fun um
2: you are certainly not the only chef i know who has traveled great distances to see where their product comes from um and you know most of the of the chefs who i really respect in this town have taken trips like this at some point why is it important to actually get into the nitty gritty of how a lamb or any other animal or even a fruit or vegetable is being raised so you know how to use it in your restaurant or that you feel comfortable. Is it that you feel comfortable using it, is it so that you learn something about better ways to use it or is it more about a bigger picture, a stewardship of the earth kind of thing?
4: For me I think it's the bigger picture of, you know, actually caring about what I give my guests when they walk in the door and, you know, it would probably cost me half the price to serve a commodity lamb. But I also know the ins and outs of what happens in that kind of world as well. So when we do put something on the menu here at Sparrow and Wolf, we always kind of ensure that we source it responsibly and then we make sure that, you know, the husbandry that goes into it is important. Uh, I also believe a happy animal is happy eating. Uh, raising a, I've raised a couple of pigs myself up here in northern uh, Pahrump, up in Pahrump, uh, a few years back when I was at Kamsah. And uh, I kind of got, you know, uh, firsthand experience in terms of, like, Watching an animal become very happy with the way it was fed and its surroundings and stuff like that, and it, it really does make a difference on the plate. Uh, you you can taste the difference. So, uh, and then when you get to see like, you know, the attention to detail that goes into um, the product, that they have the same kind of thought process and care that I put into my dishes, and our team translates to our guests. That it's the synergy, you know, uh, and just the connection between the product and what we do here.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, like there's the great Portlandia kind of effect where people joke about, oh, the, the chicken was named Bob and he grew up, you know, two blocks from here and all that shit. And a lot has been, you know, made fun of, I guess, about knowing where your product comes from. But I think he struck on something that so many chefs have told me and I've never done a side by side comparison, but I believe them, which is that the happier an animal lives its life and actually right up to the time that it is harvested or killed, however you want to put it, um, that it's not overly stressed, even in the moments leading up to that and releasing adrenaline, that that a quality happy product tastes good, whereas a stressed out product releases all kinds of chemicals into its bloodstream that you can taste on the plate.
4: Yeah, it changes the, the consistency of the meat, uh, the flavor profile of everything that goes into it as well. Um, you know, speaking back to when I was raising pigs, uh, with Michaelino, um, I mean, I, I, I know some people probably find it a little fucked up, but I had a glass of red wine with that pig that day. You know what I mean? It was literally hanging out. It was a buddy, but you know what? Like I knew that whatever we did, we were going to utilize 110% of that animal. We were going to treat it well and respect it, that life that it gave us and the food that it provided us as well. So, uh, so yeah, it was a really cool experience. Uh, You know, while we were out there, uh, when we were booking the trip, Justin and I were like, you know what? We might as well, since we're over there, which really, not really over there, um, we might as well go see. Basically, uh, since you're on the other side of the planet, right? Yeah, which we ended up taking another, I think, 12-hour trip upwards to um, um, South Korea for the night and seeing our buddy Sung Ha, who used to be a mixologist in town. He's got a a highball bar out there. So we went and spent about uh, 16 hours with him, and did it the good south korean way and had a lot of street food ate in some like very random tents with no uh, running water or you know uh dish station or any kind of health practices but uh, ate probably the best blood sausage i've ever had in my life and got to go experience a 130 year old uh, beef bone soup after that you know oxtail soup and so you know obviously the adventure is all based around food and kind of seeing where where things come from uh and then from there we uh took a flight. Uh, over to Vietnam, we spent uh, ten days in Saigon with uh, Chef Kai Vu from District One, who's now out there and just opened up his steakhouse called Prime out there in Saigon. So that was a great experience. He got to kind of take us around Saigon. a wild place, um, you know. We lived our very best Anthony Bourdain life, you know, that week and. Um, you know it was so impactful you know one I've traveled to Mexico and Canada and people get surprised a lot I mean, I've traveled the states very much abroad but I've never really traveled afar you know and my background is most mostly like Southeast Asian and French and you know people's always thought I went to school in France and studied over there and you know I just read a lot of books and ate a lot of good food um, so to go over there and see dishes that I've been eating for 20 years on this block alone and have... This the, block of Spring Mountain Road where, where Sparrow and Wolf is, you've been eating these dishes. You're Correct, you yeah. Uh, to go to, you know, someone's home and have that same dish, it's a completely different uh, experience because uh, most of the dining experiences that we had in uh, Saigon were very much um, in people's houses, you know, or that there were their business, you know, where they open up their homes to be their business from like 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. they work. And then by 10 a.m., all the good food's gone, and then they go about their day, right? And um, so we would get up early and head to these places and eat, you know, in places where they focused on one thing, and they've been doing it for 60 years or longer. That is way different than going to our local pho shop to eat a, and experience something that a soup that has been just cooking every day and it hasn't stopped. That pot hasn't been washed. It's just been cleaned a little bit on the outside, and they add a little bit to it. And there's, there's this marriage of flavor that's happened over centuries or you know decades. Uh, you won't experience that. I, I was three days back into the states, and I, I went to have my best dish uh, in Saigon. Was this dish called Bomboy. And it's a uh, uh, spicy beef noodle soup, and um, you know they serve it with tons of chilies and bamboo shoots and all these beautiful toppings, fresh herbs and stuff. I was like, I have to have that as soon as I get home. And I went, and I was poorly disappointed. It just wasn't the same thing. Um, so some of those things that we, we took from, you know, we're implementing, you know, ideologies or inspiration from some of those things into our menu now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we went up the Mekong Delta and, you know, uh, ate fresh, you know, live grubs and, you know, and chili water and... You know, really kind of went down the rabbit hole when it came to, to food and street food. Um, I think I came back with both Salmonella and E. coli from the stuff that we ate. But uh, there's no difference. There's nothing better than eating in the homeland of where something comes from.
2: Um, were there any dishes that you found in Asia that maybe you've made yourself? and You know, in any restaurant that you've worked at. And you're like, wow, it's
4: very different over here. Or, I'm going to have to change it up when I, next time I try to make this dish. Well, that's an interesting question i haven't really thought about that i you know when i cook I, I really don't tend to try to go super traditional i i always cook very inspired and you know i mean i'll, I'll take i'll i'll, I'll kind of grab things from here and there and combine them that's kind of the way i cook but um you know i i think the techniques were uh what i found uh, to be more appreciative was the way they do things the process of getting to to the final result you know um uh differently than what i would do and some of those things that we've brought back now uh so yeah a little bit yeah um, you know the one thing during my very brief travels in asia the
2: one thing that surprised me and I, everybody tells me this when they come back so i guess i shouldn't have been surprised was that you don't go to the fine restaurants you know i was in a couple different places in thailand and it was you know i booked all the either michelin-starred or you know whatever recommended by the, the big magazines and all of those restaurants and spent a lot of money on them and there were none of them were as good as the 35 cent rice that i bought at a stand you know at a hawker stand or something like that um
4: was that your experience as well a hundred percent i mean i think to be able to eat very well for ten dollars a day is unheard of where i'm from and and uh, i tend to be a little bougie and i travel to eat um that was one the trip one trip that we didn't seek out you know any fine dining restaurants we did eat in one uh one restaurant that just got uh one star out there that uh was really good um they did an awesome job and uh but other than that we ate street food every day you know and in and, and people's homes and you know cooked ourselves and went to the markets the the seafood markets are insane over there uh just the quality that it, we don't have here in las vegas for sure you know we can get it flown in from everywhere else but they're living it they get to go pick it up at the market and bring it home and cook so uh, we're fortunate to you know get our hands into a lot of that Um, anything
2: um that may be popping up on your menus either here at sparrow and wolf or even at um at a half bird in some way any of those influences are going to be i guess migrating to your menus in the near future
4: sure um you know our, our, our menu tends to be very well-rounded, so we, I try not to, you know, I could easily came home and turn it into a Vietnamese restaurant, you know, and sometimes I get, I came home and I rewrote the menu, I think immediately, and, you know, our process here for menu development is very collaborative, so uh, all the team members have an opportunity to have some input on what we do, and, you know, the dish may start with something that was in my head, and then it transforms by everybody that gets to touch it, you know, and to really make it a Sparrow and Wolf dish. And uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, yes, we've got a couple different influences. I really love to eat spicy. So you'll see um, sometimes I get yelled at by my wife because I overdo it with chilies on the menu. And you'll see I go through phases over the menus over the last six years uh, where things have been too spicy. And one of the things that I, I, I kind of picked up when I was in Vietnam is whether eating breakfast or lunch or dinner, there's always a bowl of chilies on the table. And it's just kind of ground down with a little bit of salt. Uh, and they're super spicy and fermented, but it's kind of your build your own adventure. So instead of me imparting my love for spiciness into your food, uh, one of the dishes, uh, which I think you'll get to try here in a moment, but, uh, it's kind of like a Thai style steamed clams that we do with a Thai pesto. And it's got this kind of influence from Vietnam and Thailand and France, um, in all this beautiful way, but we serve that with a little bowl of those, those chilies and the fresh herbs and all that stuff that you'll see kind of coming from Thailand or Vietnam. Um, and then, uh, one of the ones that I, I think I'm most proud of, and I think that people are really getting behind right now is this dish called Ban Khun. Ban Khun translates to really just, um, rice roll. And, uh, traditionally it's a, a white, thin white rasp wrap, wrapper, that kind of glutinous texture. And they wrap that around like ground pork and then they'll top that, with um, you know fresh herbs and chilies and cucumbers and pickles and you'll have some dipping sauces and I think most cultures in Southeast Asia have their the Chinese have chow fun you know it's all kind of the same thing but they do them a little bit differently Uh, so with that dish we were inspired to kind of bring it back um, and utilize it with we serve a lot of duck here in this restaurant and um, you know taking that uh, dish back here and doing it with um, black rice versus the white rice. So you get that nice purple hue, a little bit more uh, richness in the flavor. And then we served it with uh, ground duck, woodier mushrooms, a little bit of foie gras in there and duck confit to kind of elevate it a little bit. And um, we, we were inspired by that dish, so we, we took that and kind of leveled it up a little bit to make it more of a elevated sparrow and wolf dish. We do it with um, uh, like a habanero and coconut vinaigrette and uh, some very well kind of uh, – sourced uh, greens and and herbs and flowers and stuff like that that we've found uh, and it's really really yummy dish uh. anything else happening at Sparrow and Wolf that people should know about well, uh, tomorrow's our six year anniversary I'm uh, pretty grateful we're, we're here this far we made it through some crazy challenges and uh, lots of ups and downs and stuff and it's it's continuously getting busier and busier every day and I really feel like we're we're in our kind of' We have our best team right now they're they're kind of green but they're uh, i think the one of the best teams we've had in the making uh, i feel like every year we just get a little bit better and better which is uh, exactly what we set out to do um last year i, I kind of called it our legacy year you know it's one of those things that uh you know you uh you you're in your year five you you either have kind of fizzled out and you know you, there's a lot of new places popping up so you're kind of uh you know the flash in the pan or whatever I guess but we've yet to do that yet we've kind of keep reinventing and bringing new things to the table to showcase that uh, we care about being better every day um, and our programs that we've uh, implemented uh, uh, every day from you know our recovery friendly workplace to all of our local community outreach and the employees uh, that are growing in our company we've got I think three employees that have left come back and now we're on their their growth pattern right now with us. that have moved into management roles and taking bigger steps. So, um, and you got a guy like Alec, who's been here since day one, fresh out of culinary school, like who's on his way to be chef de cuisine, which is amazing. Um, so I'm very proud of what we're doing here and the team and, and everything they've done to make Sparrow and Wolf what it is today. Uh, and I'm excited to see what comes this year. We've got a lot, I think come summertime, we've got about another, I think eight to 10 more dishes that we're rolling out, uh, for a full cycle of, uh, spring and summer, many changes, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff to be excited about It's Svernal Wolf.
2: Um, what about, how's Half Bird going? Um, You know, Half Bird, every time I turn around, there's something new and cool on the menu over there. It's definitely one of my go-to spots for bringing food home late at night when I'm leaving like a party at the Strip where I didn't quite eat as much as I wanted to eat. And, um, you know, I always, on my way back home, I drop in Half Bird, get a rotisserie chicken, get a sandwich, something like that to take home. So I'm loving it. How are you feeling about it? And any word on expansion?
4: Sure. Um, I love Half Bird. I love the brand. I think it's um, something uh, near and dear to... What we set out to do was kind of level up the QSR um, brand of chicken, you know, and and again, it goes back to responsibly sourcing, you know, and feeling good about what we're putting on your plate. So being able to use great product, uh, it starts with that, uh, but then introducing, you know, flavor profiles that just turn the dial a little bit without, you know, overdoing it and going too far of what's been tried and true for years. Um, I think it's working out. I think it's really well received. Um, we're, we're still, I think trying to find our our feet a little bit in terms of what we want to do with the brand. And obviously I get a little, uh, I want to change things all the time, but I'm trying to be consistent with that, that project and make sure that, you know, my long-term goal for it is franchising it and having those everywhere. Uh, so right now we're trying to fine tune and make sure that, you know, when you come in with a mindset like myself of doing a, a, a chef driven quick service restaurant, you know i thought it would be very very focused right it'd be like it's just chicken right all we're gonna do is chicken well it's got is just as many moving parts as this place does it's just a little bit different right um so being able to take that and refine everything that we do every day to i think now um we're coming up on a second project with that by the time we open those doors i think we'll be really kind of fine-tuned of what we originally set out to do and and to see what our guests wanted to you know we're also in a different market I think too, where it's like it's not the same as this right you're in a, a very saturated chicken market you're in a, a perceptionally uh, people have a perception of what you should be charging and all those things and you know so we're really trying to like make sure that everybody understands our message what we're trying to do um, but be able to compete on a, a high level uh, across the board for 95% of the demographic uh, so, yeah, uh, expansion, yes. Uh, we have a new project uh, in Henderson on uh, Green Valley and Horizon Ridge that's going to open up probably late July, early August, if I had to throw a dart at the board, um, which it'll be uh, a little bit larger uh, room than we have now, so we'll be able to kind of expand our beer programming, uh, which is something that you know I feel like we're now kind of really pushing a little bit further on this first project to make sure that the chicken and the beer is prominently the same and not beer is an afterthought Um, so we'll be uh, driving that home a little bit more making it a little bit more of a a socially engaged place right Um, and you know kind of take what we've done here but expand upon it Uh, we're also want to be adding a little bit more um, you know some more healthier options as well Uh, some more roasted uh, sandwiches and stuff like that and things that um, you know we know that will make more sense for that neighborhood uh, so yeah I'm, I'm super excited I'm super pumped we have we we haven't even celebrated our first year yet we're opening our second project and uh, you know continually to look at new locations for for more growth of that
2: you, you touched on this in your answer to my last question but um, before by the way food is arriving as we're doing this and it all looks fantastic so um, we're gonna be getting to eat that in a minute um, but you touched on the idea of people's expectations price points is one such thing and I feel like I I know some other people that run a really good chicken place in this town, too, and it's a bit higher than average price point, and people aren't expecting that. They go in. So you've got some people that just go, okay, chicken's supposed to be cheap, right? They just assume chicken sandwiches, rotisserie chickens are going to be what they get at Costco for the rotisserie. Chicken sandwiches, what they get from whatever chain, and that's it. And then, though, you had kind of a double whammy on that front because you had, I believe, people who went into Half Bird, Almost expecting it to be like Sparrow and Wolf, you know, not being a quick casual restaurant just because it's right down the street from, from Sparrow and Wolf and everybody knows your name. So. Do you feel that you've messaged so far to the right people, like what niche you fill in, fit into, excuse me, right now? Where it is on that level of quality, which is that you're using good ingredients, so it's going to be a slightly higher price point, but you're still doing it very casual, and people who like to go to fast food chicken spots are going to like this, even though it's a slightly higher price point, they're going to go, wow, this could taste a lot better if people use good ingredients. So have you have you narrowed in on that audience yet? Or is that still something that you're struggling to do?
4: I don't think we're struggling, but I think we're also starting to find our feet in that direction, where I think, like I said, coming out of the gate, people had some kind of perception of what it was to be. Uh, but I think now we're actually really starting to focus on more of the product that we use and the love that goes into it the pantry selection being very chef driven being very thoughtful uh in the way we do things so i think we're, we're starting to find that now so uh yeah if we were struggling with it i wouldn't be open in the second one that's for sure
2: um, I do wonder, I, th- I almost guess that it may go over easier in Henderson than it does here on Spring Mountain Road where people have these pre-existing expectations of what Chef Brian Howard does. Um, obviously, you're known around the Valley, but people that are dining out in Henderson, I feel, might be more geared into the, the quick casual concept and, and right from the start. I don't know if, if you think about that when you're choosing, sele- choosing locations for restaurants.
4: Yeah, I mean, all those things uh, get thought about, I mean, from, you know, average house income to, you know, the the people driving past it every day, and we know that you know, Halfbird is never meant to be a, a single destination, Halfbird has got to be a thought on the way home, not for you to have to drive across the valley to get, so we want to be everywhere, you know, we want to be able to be your thought when you go home, whether you're, uh, you know picking up something for your family or you 're coming to watch a game on the patio or you 're coming just to like play some games we 've gotten finally gotten around to introducing some of our uh, our outdoor games, which we 'll be bringing more into uh, Henderson as well, so people can come and you know like I said, it should be a social thing right It should be quick enough if you want to just pop in uh, fun enough if you want to bring your family or your friends to drink some beers and watch a game but also uh that thought on the way home so we're trying to trying to create that we don't want to be a sports bar we don't want to be a, a, a dave and busters but we are you know people's uh, expectation of um efficiency and fast is is there it's in our mindset but being able to give you like way better product in that fast environment so
2: Well, thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell everybody what you're about to feed me here, and then I'm going to go off and eat it, and I'll talk about it on the tail end of the podcast. So um, what what has just been delivered to me here?
4: So, yeah, I mean, if you can look, uh, starting with this, this is something that uh, Chef Alec and I collaborated on. Uh, We've been talking. Both of us tend to travel to Hawaii every uh, couple of years. It's it's probably going to be my retirement spot somewhere on a beach. Uh, but Alec goes out there as well and you know something we wanted to bring something that was inspired by our trips there very uh Close to the ocean, but utilizing great uh, yellowfin tuna, a little bit of rhubarb because that's in season on a uh, nori lavash cracker with a little bit of coconut cream. It's kind of like our take on a, a poke, but as you can see, like the uh, the plating itself kind of accentuates if like that tuna was just sitting on a rock in the ocean and kind of where it comes from. So it's all about being light and fresh, a little bit of uh, shoyu on there just to kind of season it, but really it's about the fish there. Uh, next up, you have the, the clams that I was telling you about this. So this is uh, steamed manila clams. They're in a white sofrito with a Thai basil pesto. We use uh, a dashi, a uh, Japanese uh, broth, as the uh, cookie medium versus like a white wine or something like that. We fold this beautiful green pesto into that, top with a bunch of fresh Thai basil and fried garlic. So this is kind of like the way you eat in like Southeast Asia, you know. And then that bowl of chilies so that you can kind of build your own adventure, like I said, and a little bit of bread just to sop it up. Uh, lastly, this one, uh, this one, oddly enough, came from one of our chef parties our young cooks on the team, um, Nick Connor, and uh, he's actually getting entered into our sous chef training program right now. And um, he had posted something one night on his Instagram about doing uh, birria tacos, but doing like a birria pasta, like a parpadella or something like that. And I thought it was brilliant. I was like, that is insane, and I'm like, that should be on the menu at Sparrow Wolf. It makes total sense for what we do. So this kind of oaxacan inspired dish Uh, inside there's uh, we get whole goats in we break them down we roast them uh, pick all that meat it gets mixed with um, oaxacan cheese and filled into an italian tortellini pasta lightly blanched and then served with the goat consomme kind of how you would find that birria taco um, at some of our best taco stands in town and then we just dress it with a little bit of lightly smoked goat fat over the top so it's uh, it's our take on tortellini and brodo, the classic Italian tortellini and broth, but done in the style of Pieda. Uh, okay, well, it looks
2: fantastic. I'm about to dig into it, man. Thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. My pleasure. My-
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: It is time for the news. Yes, it is time
2: for the news. And wow, fresh off of my email as I was sitting down unpacking my shit to sit down here today <laughs> from my friends at Caesars Palace. Brossery B by Bobby Flay is coming to Caesar's Palace in late 2023. Um, obviously, a brasserie, so you're going to expect bistro cuisine Ooh. or casual. Uh, clearly not the kind of thing that would um, conflict with Guy Savoy upstairs. Not even. It does say in the um, press release that it's off the casino floor, so, um, you know, hmm. most things are, except Guy Savoy upstairs. <laughs> but it's a um, sit-down. It's Sit-down. There's yeah. going to be a raw bar. Um, mm. I think there's about 140 seats and another 20 at a bar, if where I'm remembering would correctly. Be? Like I, the old herringbone spot, maybe? I, I couldn't tell where the space was. No, because... Um, Something else is there. Herringbone is where the Tau group just took over.
3: Yeah, one of
2: those bars, no? Not sure. Mm -hmm. Because I can't remember who's going and where. There's so much moving around in there. Because they haven't announced that Old Homestead is leaving, but everybody's assuming Old Homestead is leaving. Yeah. Rayos is out of there. I heard some rumors Um, on that one, too. Yeah. 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 So I I don't know. This, again, fresh off. I literally was just reading the press release when I sat down. So that is news number one. News number two, Mizumi (laughs) in Wynn Las Vegas has temporarily closed for renovations. Um, They're expected to last through the fall, but have no fear. Chef Min Kim is not taking that time off. He's preparing to launch Min's Test Kitchen in Jardine, also at Wynn Encore. That opens May 26th, and it will run through September. Um, More in news, Bruce Coleman is celebrating the two-year anniversary of Soul Belly Barbecue by hosting a pig roast this Saturday at his Main Street Barbecue spot. He's going to be joined in this snout-to-tail feast by chefs Josh Smith of Delilah, Van Wynn of 595 Craft Kitchen, Karis Kawano, one of my favorite pastry Mm, chefs in the world, chef Roy um, Elomar, formerly of Harvest, now of Fine Company, which has yet to open, Colin Fukunaga of Fuku Burger, and they're going to make sure to cook up every. Everything but the oink <laughs> on that baby. I am
0: so borrowing that.
2: <laughs> yes, I will be there on, um, on Saturday. So hope to see some of you there. And this may be old news. It's very likely that I'm just out of the loop, but this has been mentioned to me by now three people, so I'm guessing it's true. I had no idea, so Gemini, you're probably on top of this shit and I just missed it. But um, (laughs) Gorilla Pizza no longer operating at the Hard Hot, though? I need to reach out
0: to Bobby because all it's been so far is rumor and speculation, but Stay tuned is going in there. Yeah,
2: that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The guys you mentioned the burger, and I was told like, me that they were going <laughs> to that, that, that they were probably going in there. But I'd heard from several people that that Gorilla was leaving, which struck me as odd, they... and I haven't been able to get any confirmation on what happened because, of course, I thought he was a partner in buying the yeah. building, and so I don't know. Let's Hopefully, see if their we publicists Our publicists are listening. let um set that up. So anyway, it'll be cool if, if we do lose Gorilla Pizza, which is fantastic. It'll be great to have Stay Tuned Burgers, my new all time favorite burger in Las Vegas. Yeah, Uh Um, going in there. So we will keep you up to date on that.
3: Do you love Taco Tuesday? Always. Or do you care that the taco and Tuesday, they both start with the letter T, and therefore it's a fun, it's a thing? No. Did you know it was a corporate (laughs) thing? No. You know the lawyers are involved now. Ah. Taco John's is a fast food chain in the Midwest and the Rockies. It's based in Cheyenne, Wyoming. They have about uh, 400 spots. They, for about 34 years, have owned the trademark to... Taco Tuesday. That's got to be a pretty. I used to practice trademark
2: law. That sounds like a pretty unenforceable trademark to me.
3: Well, they apparently have gone after quite a few people over the years, cease and uh, desist things, people and other companies. That's because somebody didn't want to hash it out, and it's, it's a well, big challenge of trademark. Hashing, it is, a bitch. hashing is coming. <laughs> all right. Taco hash. Bell to the rescue. Ooh. Maybe, maybe. Taco Bell is suing to cancel the trademark, saying we should all be free to enjoy Taco Tuesday without fear of a cease and desist order. Uh, Taco John's CEO is thanking Taco Bell for reminding everybody that Taco Tuesday is best celebrated at Taco John's. Yeah, I, We can't do here because there are no Taco John's I, here.
2: I don't see Taco Tuesday holding up. I don't know that you can try to own an entire day of the week as yeah. related to a right? standard food item. Like calling it item, Sunday yeah, yeah. Right? fun day. Or yeah, anything. like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, or, I, I see that you can't have a Super Bowl party. That's one thing, sure. you know, but you can't have a, a big game you party. You can't yeah. say I can't have a Sunday football party. So I, I think they're going to lose that one. <laughs> I think they're going to lose it in a big way. Yeah, That's my prediction. I'm super curious. Up yeah.
3: next, marinara Monday. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it reminds
2: me, did you see like, Rich, you know this. I'm going to go off on a slight go tangent. Go for it. I yeah, know yeah. We, we had been doing well on time, but now I'm going to it up <laughs> you, you know, that being in broadcast, like you can never sing happy birthday, yeah, yeah, you never saw it on a TV show because there was a copyright in happy yep. birthday. Oh, I the didn't descendants know that, yeah. of people who wrote it. Asked for a lot of money in order to have it in a show. So all the old TV shows when I was growing up, they always sang for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, yeah. People's Birthday, yeah, yeah. and all that shit. But, you know, somebody finally challenged that copyright. And they were like, yeah, those two old dead ladies <laughs> did not write that song <laughs> forever. And I'm pretty sure they lost the copyright. But they that, copyrighted
3: then, so. <laughs> it for a while. This is
2: what's happening. I'm I'm just saying, Taco Tuesday may be the oh. happy birthday.
3: <laughs> oh, my
0: God. I love it.
2: Uh, Gemini, any news from you?
0: Uh, You know, hey, it's just another reminder. Picnic in the Alley is coming up this weekend. So as you listen to this, it's Friday morning. The event is this Sunday, May 21st, an event curated, run, and served up in all forms by women for everyone, 21 and over. There's booze involved. For $125, you get open access to three hours of an all-inclusive experience that serves delicious food, drinks, arts, crafts, music, and more. Sponsors such as Kettle One, Casamigos, Hera, as in H-E-R-A, not hair of, the dog vodka, Frey <laughs> Ranch Distillery, Ron Zacapa Kappa Rum, and more. And, of course, with the power of Mojave Events, 920 Events, and the mastermind behind it all, Jolene Menina of SecretBurger.com. It is going to be a unique boutique food and sensory experience I think. and you can still get tickets at picnicinthealley.com
2: i would like to trademark unique boutique
0: uh, right that'd be fun <laughs> <laughs> um i do have some sad news oh no i got a phone call this morning uh just this morning uh and so this will drop on friday this is tuesday morning um valley cheese and wine is officially for sale Diana Breyer and her family, including, well, the Breyer family, including Vegas' own Wonder Woman of Cheese and one of Uh the most certified cheese palettes and noses in the United States, Diana Breyer, are selling the long-beloved specialty shop to pursue other opportunities, including retirement for Terry and Burgess, Diana's parents. While Diana is looking at other opportunities, she's available for consulting, education, events, etc. The store will remain open for the time being. We don't have any more info on that, but as we get it, I will be sharing it.
3: And as we uh, drop this thing on Friday, you're just about 24 hours away from the soft opening of the carousel bar, I heard, heard your the friends. Plaza. I heard
2: your friends telling you about that. Like they're like, it's a soft opening, Rich. Don't yeah. talk about it. No, <laughs> it's, it's right.
3: Well, so don't go there Saturday, but maybe Sunday or Monday. Uh, we are recording here at Oscar's, uh, the bar at Oscar's Steakhouse at the Plaza, and right below the main circular dining room was the Porta cachere drive up, get dropped off. Now it is a bar. It is much bigger, it far more seating than I envisioned it. A lot of booze, a lot of uh, things at the bar. Video poker outside—the only outside video poker ever—and they are still a little nervous about how those machines are going to react in 115 degrees heat. Yes, there will be uh, the uh, misses and all that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I thought I did that. Uh, Well. Uh, So uh, yeah, Saturday the soft opening carousel bar. Then coming soon the Pink Box Donuts. They won't be making the donuts here. They'll make them over at. uh, bagel mania and then a couple three weeks away for the non-smoking slots only casino and then eventually right here to my left the big terrace at Oscars, which will increase the seating by about 50%. They've had to increase the kitchen, they increase the kitchen staff. So it's all coming together here.
2: That carousel bar looks really cool down yeah. there. Since I don't know where to get ether to get high, I think <laughs> I'm just going to have to find some <laughs> mushrooms and um, do, a, do a total Hunter S. Thompson I love spin it. on that let's carousel do it. once it opens.
0: I'll um, drink. You do the ether. We'll make well, a pod- well, I can't well, get,
2: we'll- get ether. Do you know where to get <laughs> ether? I've never. I mean, we don't need- we uh, know some nurses some and mushrooms, things. Man, oh, mushrooms are yeah. fine, too. I'm in. Um, <laughs> um, this is the time where I thank everybody. Of course, I want to thank Chef Brian Howard. And I also want to report a little bit on that food that you heard us talking about, man. I got to say, those birria tortellini, unfucking real Loved those. Um, really great, great merging of two um, concepts there. The pokey that he was telling you guys about, um, that was really, really fantastic. Those clams were exactly as designed, and those <laughs> those peppers that he told you about, super Ugh. spicy, so be Whoa. very careful. They they, they crushed me. Um, but, yeah, everything you, he served was really fantastic. So thank you, Brian. Thank you for the food that you served me. Thanks for doing the interview. Also want to sh- thank chefs um, Michael and Brian Voltaggio as well for chatting with us and inviting me in. And um, if you join us next week. Oh, I should also tell you, if you heard me saying that I was going to be on Wake Up with the CW on, on Fridays, yeah, we've moved. They've moved me again, so I'm doing that on <laughs> Mondays, Mondays, so look for Monday, Mondays Monday. Until they move which forward. is
3: good because now when we plug it, it's coming up instead of when we plug it, it happened like an hour ago. Right. (laughs) There you go. I don't know. You got me confused. I wrinkle in time.
2: I don't know. Something happened there. I think there's mushroom (laughs) toast that could have hit me right there. Um, Okay, join us next week when we will be speaking to Chef Lorena Garcia about celebrating six years in Las Vegas. And that is about it for this week with Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson. I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.